Amen. Thank you. Appreciate all your ladies' help. One little change, uh, just a uh, type O. It should be 9 through 12, not 9 through 21, because there is no 21. Sort of like saying, you know, naming a book in the Bible that's not there and making everybody try to turn to it and make it, messing with them. Uh, everybody needs a place to belong. And this sermon explores uh, the benefits of belonging to a church family, expository and alliteration done uh, in the message itself. I'm glad you're at church again, and whether you've been attending church your entire life or, or whether you're watching online, we just, uh, Joel had shown me some information about October, and it was six, seven hundred people have viewed sermons on, you know, Although maybe a lower number, obviously, will do Sunday morning and watch, usually those people who are homebound. Uh, a number of people have watched uh, our uh, uh, sermons and listened to them. And 15 countries, uh, and then I forget how many states, I forget how many states it was, but uh, it was a number, and it was kind of amazing to watch. And so there are people online who are watching, or who will watch it later. And so to them, I say, I want you to know we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here, and we're glad you're here. Uh, church isn't something you attend to be a church. It's something you are. You are the church. Whether you're at home, homebound, or whether you're here, you are the church. You're part of the body of Christ. And so I want you to think about that. Have you heard about the little boy who attended church for the very first time? And his mother asked him what he thought about it. And he said, well, the music was good, but the commercial was a little long. And so hopefully the commercial won't be too long for you tonight and you'll be able to get by with what commercial we have. I think everybody needs a place. I think it's just part of it is. You you think about a show, although you may, uh, it may be funny to mention it, but something like Cheers on television where, you know, Norm walks in, Norm, everybody says Norm, and, and they recognize who he is. Everybody needs a place to belong. And hopefully it's this place. Hopefully it's a place that fits you like an old pair of jeans. It's comfortable. You feel good there. Uh, you recognize the place and your place in it. And I think that's the way we're made. Uh, it's not to be isolated. It's not to be alone. It is to be together, to experience life with others. And like we do on Sunday afternoon, getting in a a comfortable recliner and either watching a football game or doing something. It just feels right. And that's what we hope church is for you, that it just feels right. It feels like this is the place that you should be. I read, though, some journalists and some authors who have written and done a number of studies. One of them was Vance Picard, and he calls America a nation of strangers. Studies show that four out, of five, uh, four out of ten people experience feeling of intense loneliness. Almost half the people in the United States feel lonely. They don't feel like they belong anyplace. I think our culture produces people who are closely identified with people on television than they are with their neighbors. They, they know more about what happened on a show last night than they do people around their block, right? At least it, in, in our neighborhood, it, it seems like that. Uh, you know, we may wave at the people that come into our little cul-de-sac and park, uh, but very few of them, you know, except when you first moved in, 
want to talk anymore. They just want to wave and the garage door comes up and the garage door goes down and that's it. Uh, we feel alone and we feel isolated. I think it's everywhere you look, there are signs of people who are hungering for fellowship. They're hungering for community. They are hungering for a sense of family. Counselors say that the most common complaint, therapists have said, is that patients feel that they didn't belong. I just don't feel like I belong someplace. I, I feel like I'm odd man out wherever I am. They feel like they're an imposter. They feel like they're on the outside of things. They feel like they don't fit in. And they feel like they cannot connect with people. I think that is a recipe for disaster, but it's also an invitation for the church to step in and offer a place where that is not true, where you do fit in and you do feel comfortable and you do feel apart. I find it reassuring as well as paradoxical that one of the most common feelings among people was not feeling like they fit in I think the comfort and the weird truth is that I think everybody in some sense feels awkward and alone all by ourselves until you find that place that fits. And I think a place for you is really what it needs to be. I've even seen some churches who have the theme, a place for you. This is your place. This is your home. I think it's a sense of belonging. Christian author and, and researcher Lyle Schaller, he did a number of research and wrote a number of books about church growth and everything, says in his research he shows that a third to half of all Protestant church members do not feel a sense of belonging to the congregation of which they are a member. Uh, you know, if you look at church roles in any, any average church, uh, the people who are actually on the church roll and people who actually show up are 50 to 40% show up. Uh, that's amazing. But it's not uncommon to have a lot of people who have attached themselves but really don't feel comfortable enough to participate. Every week there was this little old lady who would go to the post office and she would stand in line to buy two stamps. And then she would leave. She came in one day and the guy who had been waiting on her for weeks said, you know, you, you don't have to stand in line with everybody else. There's a machine out in the lobby, and you can get your stamps out there. She said, yeah, but the machine doesn't ask me about my arthritis. We need to connect, don't we? We want to talk to people. We don't want to talk to machines. We want to talk to a real person. And I think that's evident by everybody who's ever had to wait online talking to a machine on the phone and getting frustrated. We want people contact. People long to be connected it's who we are it's how we're made the bible uses a lot of metaphors if you read through it to describe uh, the church but the most persistent is that of family family you see that in the new testament the believers are called brother and sister and and in his letter to the church at ephesus here's what paul writes Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, members of the family. And that's the picture that you get in the New Testament is of that word family. Maybe the pew is worn 
in the shape of your bottom here. <laughs> You've been here so many years that that's where you sit in the same place. Teresa and I went to a church one time. We attended and we sat down and this lady stood over us and stared at us till we got up and moved because we were in her place. It happens where people get connected to a place. But maybe on the other hand, you never really felt that connected. Maybe you don't feel like you belong any place. And being part of family of God doesn't make any sense. Either way, I'd like to share some wisdom with you from Solomon, from Ecclesiastes, about the benefits of belonging. Look at this passage of Scripture, uh, Ecclesiastes 9, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and following. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can held up the other help up the other rather but pity one who falls and has no one to help them up also if two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one keep warm alone though one may be overpowered two can defend themselves a cord of three strands is not quickly broken when you look at that passage of scripture and you listen to king solomon he says that two are better than one and then he goes on to describe i think three benefits that we want to look at tonight of that two are better than idea. Number one, strength. First, I think belonging to a church family provides strength for us individually. Let me read that verse again from uh, the, the New Century Version, which says, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. That makes sense. I mean, I feel that way whenever I do a job, somebody else is with me. I seem to get more done. I don't, it's just the, that we encourage one another. It moves faster. It feels like I'm not, again, by myself. I work with someone. Solomon had discovered, I think, that principle, and it holds true for every epoch of time, his and ours. None of us can do alone as much as we can do with someone else together. And I think there is that issue that we have said many, many times. There are what? Strength in numbers. And I believe that's true when you look at this passage of Scripture. It, it paints the picture of strength when you're with someone else. I remember old, oh, I love, I've got little uh, paperback volumes of peanut cartoons, you know, Schultz. And so when I was growing up, I, I bought those little from the bookstore. I think they're probably a dollar or two when I was a teenager. But I think I've got 15 or 20 at least of those little paperback volumes of Linus and Lucy and Charlie Brown. One of them is uh, of Linus and his sister Lucy. Lucy walks into the uh, living room and she takes the remote control and changes the channels. And he says, what makes you think you can walk right in here and, and do that? And she said, these five fingers, one, two, three, four, five. Individually, when I curl them together, it comes a single unit, and they are a force to be reckoned with. And Linus looks at his hand, and he says, why can't you guys get together? <laughs> I think that is what we are thinking about, that there is power in teamwork, with teamwork, of teamwork. When you and I work together, we can get more done. At our church, it seems like there's never enough volunteers to go around. Can I get an amen from the committees that, that are looking for people and or have to get people to work on committees? None of us can do everything, but all of us can do something, right? 
especially when we work together. You know, the church, the church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts was a hodgepodge of believers from every variety of background, from all over the Roman Empire. And yet they found a way to work together, to put aside their differences and to hold all things in common. And what be of one mind? It's amazing when you think of, of them and how they were able to do that. They did it because their lives were changed. And because their lives were changed, history was changed. They changed the world from that beginning church in Acts. And as you follow their example, I think the same thing will happen as you work together. Whether you want to help feed the hungry or house orphans or rebuild uh, houses that have been destroyed by tornadoes or clean up a community that needs help, we all do it better together instead of by ourselves. I think belonging to God's family provides us with strength to get more work done. Why? Because two are better than one. There's no doubt about it. And the wise man who writes this, Solomon, makes an occasion, I think, from the covetous man that he mentioned earlier. If you read earlier in the chapter, he talks about a covetous man, how he acts. And the advantages of the social life between that person and this person who works with other people. Uh, man is a social creature. He was meant to be so. Isn't that what it says in Genesis 2.18? It is not good that man should be alone. That was God's plan. And the pleasure and the profit that each of us get from each other's company, company is, is societal. It builds. It, it creates Again, a family in this case for a church. But it creates a community outside the church. Now, I would agree with you that sometimes there is labor in attending church. You have to get up and go. There's labor in praying. There's, there's labor in conferring and working with another and serving one another in love and bearing one another's burdens. There is labor in that. And yet, when you look at it, they all have the presence of Christ with them. All of us together have that. Where two or three are meet together in his name, he's there. And so when you and I work together, when two or more work together, there is something about the presence of God that is with us that just doesn't seem to be the same apart when we're by ourselves. We're meant to be together. We're meant to work together. I think it helps our soul and it establishes that divine truth that there, are in, there is indeed strength in each other's hands and each other's hearts when we bind them together. Strength. Second, support. I have, furthermore, I think belonging to a church family provides support. You look again at King Solomon and what he says. Again, two are better than one because if one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad because there is no one to help him. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> it's what I think of. Isn't that true? That there have been instances where we have fallen and there's been no one there to help us up. Now, I don't mean necessarily physically. It may mean spiritually too. Help, I've fallen spiritually and I can't get up. I don't know what to do. But when there's someone else with us, they can help us. There's a grouping in Proverbs of this section, and we see it, and it talks about life's 
hardships and the perplexities of life, how, how difficult life is. It talks about that companionship uh, and isolation are, are something that war against each other. Poverty and wealth, human adversities, the limits of wisdom, the, the impact of foolishness. Each of these things are problematic, but the teacher here, Solomon, insists that God is present when we have faith in him and can help us together overcome these problems that all of us deal with. And it's in working together that we supremely decide the solution. I think we become more supportive of each other because we've been through some of these same problems. And I think that's what he was saying in Ecclesiastes. Do you know what it's like to get knocked down? I'm I'm sure you do. Do you know what it's like to have troubles? I'm sure you do. Don't we? Uh, There was an army chaplain that had a sign on his door. If you have troubles, come in and tell me about them. If you don't have troubles, come in and let me tell you about mine. (laughs) Uh, We all have them. I like Calvin and Hobbes. I think growing up I was Calvin. (laughs) If you know the comic strip, that would be me, you know. Calvin and, uh, gets dressed for school in his special clothes. And when he goes to school, the first thing that happens is he sits down and he sits in bubble gum. And then he gets beat up by that fat bully that's always there. He fails the test. He drops his lunch plate. He gets rained on on the way home. And at bedtime, he's talking to Hobbes and he says, You know, Hobbes, some days even my lucky rocket ship underpants don't help. <laughs> some, some days just doesn't seem to be our day, does it? It doesn't seem that anything will help. We all have those days. But Jesus promised that, unfortunately, we would. What did he say? In this world, you will have trouble, John 16. But what is he going to say? But take faith, take heart. I have overcome the world. And so in those moments in which my lucky underpants don't work, I look to Jesus who's overcome the world and he can help me get over it. You look at the people that Jesus dealt with. Here's Peter walking on the water and he begins to what? Fail. Jesus is there to help him. He reaches out and pulls him back in. He finds a woman uh, caught in adultery that's brought to her and people want her publicly humiliated. But what did Jesus do? He changed her life. He didn't humiliate her. And he sent her on her way to sin no more. Jesus could have thrown the first stone. He could have kicked her down. But instead he reached out her hand and he lifted her up. Two are better than one. I think we see that by Jesus' own example. And that's what we're supposed to do for one another. Lift each other up. Reach down and help each other up. The Bible says, help carry each other's burdens. And this way you will follow Christ's teaching, Galatians 6, 2. It's there. We all have burdens. We all have bad days. But having a church family that cares about you, who's willing to lift you up in the midst of that when you fall down, is life-changing. Belonging to God's family provides us with strength, and not only strength, the support that we need to get back up when we fall down. Well, I think there's a third thing, and it's this, spiritual warmth. Finally, belonging to a church family provides, I believe, spiritual warmth. The, the, the Bible says two people are better than one. Four, 
two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Now, that may be practical advice for a nomadic people living in the desert, but I think it also serves as a spiritual metaphor. It's not just heat that I'm generating, uh, but it's spiritual warmth that he's talking about. It's the metaphor for the fact that you and I together help each other. We feed off of each other. Our energies and our wisdom help us to get warm spiritually. The Bible says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Anytime one of God's children gets separated from the family, I think the fire starts to go out. We don't see them for a few weeks. We don't see them for a while. We start to ask the question, where are they? What happened? And many times you and I both know it's the fire that's gone out, right? Something's happened. And I think that's one of the most important reasons why we need to meet together as a church family. The pastor went to visit a man who had been like that, had not been to church in a number of weeks. And, and so, as, as will happen sometimes when the pastor shows up and you had not been there in a while, the man was rather sheepish about it, you know. But he was, he was outside and he was barbecuing and he was trying to sit, you know. He said, oh, come on back here, pastor. I'm, I'm cooking up some steaks. And so, the pastor came back. And so, the man fully expected the pastor to rebuke him for not being in church and, and you know, not attending services and being around. But instead, the pastor just picked up a lawn chair and sat down next to him. And he watched him, you know, barbecue. And a little while later, the pastor took the man's tongs from him and reached over and grabbed a coal, took it out and set it aside and put the tongs back down. They sit there. Well, you know what happened. The coal began to get cold until finally it was no longer heating, to which the man said, message received, I'll be there next Sunday. And that's the way it is that we feed off of each other, we give each other something. And I think he understood that is what Solomon was saying, that we need each other to have spiritual warmth. The warmth that you feel in your chest as we worship together today is, I think, the coals of your spirit being warmed with each other. We do it by singing, we do it by praying, we do it by visiting after the services are over with and, and spending time with each other. We do it by looking at God's word together and it changes our spirit and we are warmed up and we're live. The Bible talks about lively. You have become lively uh, and we do that by being near one another. It rekindles us. Remember what it was like when you first gave your heart to Jesus, how on fire we even use that word, don't we? He's on fire for the Lord. She's on fire for the Lord. Belonging to a church family I think helps fan that flame and keep it going in your lives. Everyone needs a place where they belong, where people smile when you arrive and then say, see you soon when you leave. It's good to see you and I look forward to seeing you again. That's what this place should do. A place for everyone, a place to belong. God doesn't call us to be apart. He doesn't call us just to believe. He calls us to belong. That's different. Not just believe. The devils believe in God, but they don't belong, do they? 
They're on the outside. They'll never be on the inside. But you and I believe and we belong to him. We are now in Christ. We're part of the family of God. And I think that strength, that support, that warmth is what's developed in this place as we work together. You may be a believer, uh, and I assume that you are, and maybe those who are watching are looking for a place to belong. This is the place that you can belong. You can interact with us. Yeah, there's ways to do that. You can see that on, online. There's a way that we can react to people who need to be touched. I'd like to talk to people about being born again if they want to talk about it. I'd love to talk to, uh, about the other issues that their life has. And so we stand and we sing and we invite people to become a part, don't we? We invite them to belong and to find a place where they feel at home. Where do you belong? Do you feel like you belong here? I, I like Irma Bombeck. I have a couple things around the house that are, you know, quotes by Irma Bombeck. I thought she was a hilarious writer. She tells a story about uh, uh, Donald, who was a young man who had gone to school, and he had fears about going back after being there one day. My name is Donald, and I don't know anything. I have new underwear, a loose tooth, and I didn't sleep last night because I'm worried. He goes on to say, what if the bell rings and a man yells at me and says, where do you belong and I don't know where that is? What if the trays in the cafeteria are too tall and I can't reach them? What if I lose my tooth and it comes out and I, we have our heads down in class and I'm bleeding, do I say anything? Am I supposed to bleed quietly? What, what if water gets splashed on my name tag and my underwear and my name's not there? Will anyone know who I am? Fears of a child. But yet, don't adults have those same fears? Some of them? Hmm, they're different. But we're still like that Donald. Do I really belong here? What will they say to me? How will they treat me? How will they look at me? Can I be a part? In Jesus' church, you can know who you are and that you are strengthened, you are supported, and you are spiritually warmed. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. We thank you for Ecclesiastes and its concise truths that we can read. Some of the sayings are short and pithy, but some like this uh, help us through those phrases to see ourselves connected to other people, to belong. I pray that the people who walk in this door or watch us online feel like they can belong here and find the strength, support, and spiritual warmth they need to develop spiritually. May we create an environment, Father, that is welcoming and open-armed to people who need to belong. And we pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you, and may God help you to feel belonged this week.